The Set the Pace podcast is brought to you by New Balance, the official apparel and footwear of New York Roadrunners and the TCS New York City Marathon. And now that the big day is behind you, it is time to show off your accomplishment, which our partners at New Balance make really easy. You can head to newbalance.com to take a look at the official finishers collection to show off your accomplishment or pick out one of the New Balance shoes from the marathon collection like the super versatile Fresh Foam 1080 version 13 so you can remember your marathon while you're putting in the miles to get to your next finish line with New Balance. Thank you, New York. Today, we're reminded of the power of community and the power of coming together. Athletes, on your mark. The first woman to finish for the second straight year here in the New York City Marathon is Mickey Gorman, a smiling Mickey Gorman, and why not? 2.29.30, the time for Gritterbikes. Look at the emotion of Shalane Flanagan as she comes to the line. Pointing to his chest, pointing to the USA. He so proudly wears across his chest. A great day for Mel Kapleski. Hello and welcome to Set the Pace, the official podcast of New York Roadrunners presented by New Balance. I'm Rob Simulcare, the CEO of New York Roadrunners, joined as always by 2009 New York Marathon champion Meb Kofleski. We are still riding high off of an incredible day on Sunday here in New York City, a beautiful and absolutely glorious 2023 TCS New York City Marathon Meb it was amazing. It was incredible. You were there. You got to be a big part of the week and the weekend. And uh, are you still as high on everything that happened as I am? Absolutely, Rob. New York came through. It was wonderful weather, wonderful comp- competition, and so massive. Over 50,000 people participating. What a, what a day. It was nearly perfect. It really was. I mean, I, it was my first time doing this as CEO of New York Roadrunners and I just can't, I'm still trying to get my head around everything that happened the entire week that day, how incredible it was. But, you know, at the end of the day, we just had a beautiful, beautiful day for running. We had 51,402 finishers on Sunday. That is the third highest finisher total in the history of this race and an incredible thing. 28,000 on the men's side, 22,000 on the women's side, 16,748 international finishers. We had 148 countries represented in this race, all 50 US states plus DC, Puerto Rico, and Guam. So everybody was there, Meb. And it wasn't just the runners, but it was the crowds. And it was kind of like right at that perfect weather level where it was cool enough to be a good day for running. It got a little warm at a couple of points, but it was cool enough for most runners to have a great, great day. But it was warm enough for the crowds, and the crowds came out in droves. I just couldn't believe what we saw in terms of the support from the city of New York. The city of New York comes out in a big way. I mean, I think, like you said, the running was great, and uh, the weather, and great spectators' weather. So whether they're walking their dog or come to cheer on, it was just amazing. It really was. And if you haven't listened to it already, you can go back and catch the bonus episode that we dropped on Sunday where we spoke to the winners of the men's open division, Tamara Tola, the women's open division, Helen O'Beary, as well as both of the wheelchair winners, Marcel Hugue on the men's side. And it was Catherine DeBruner 
on the women's side. So go back and check that out. Bonus episode where we had a great conversation with all four of those. Some other winners in terms of some great breakout performances at our marathon. Kellen Taylor had the top American time in the open division for women with a time of 229.48. That was uh, incredibly impressive. Kellen was actually out in front with that lead pack for a lot of that race, Meb, and she has to feel great about her performance. On the men's side, the top American open division finisher was Futsum Zenalasi, who finished 10th at with a time of two hours, 12 minutes, and nine seconds. Meb, what do you think about the Americans and how they fared on Sunday? They did great. You know, some people are very nervous to start before the trials, but for Futsum Zenalasi and Kelly Taylor, it's a great showing. You know, if they were not uh, at the TCS News and Marathon, they would be kind of not and as fit, you know. So I really believe you don't don't put all your eggs in one basket. Train hard. And I think New York City Marathon was the perfect place for them to be. And with that was a great showing for them. On the wheelchair side, Daniel Romanchuk finished second, top American with a time of 130. And the top American on the women's side was Susanna Scaroni. She finished third with a time of 148. And by the way, a big deal this year was that the top two American finishers in the wheelchair division, both men and women, earned spots to the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games. And so in addition to Daniel and Susanna, it was Aaron Pike on the men's side and Tatiana McFadden on the women's side, both earning a spot to Paris. Congratulations to all four of them for qualifying for the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games. Well, we're going to get to our interview in just a moment, and uh, it's really a great one this week. Um, want to let you know, of course, we will have the Med Minute coming up later in the podcast, and not surprisingly, it will be on recovery. We know that all of you out there are probably in that process right now of trying to recover. I know what it's like to walk downstairs uh, a couple days after the marathon. It can be tricky. So Meb will give you some tips on recovery because that's, that's certainly a big topic for everybody who ran on Sunday. But let's get to our interview now. And Cal Calamia joins us. Cal was the champion of the non-binary division in the 2023 TCS New York City Marathon. But it's so much more than that that we have to talk to Cal about. Uh, if you don't know Cal's story, Cal has been uh, go undergoing this transition since 2019, was assigned female at birth, um, now running as non-binary. Uh, Cal uses the pronouns they as well as he. And Cal was very open about their transition, about the fact that they were using testosterone, which is a hormone that um, is part of the transition from female to non-binary or male for a lot of people. And Cal was out there and very open about the fact that they were using testosterone. It was a little bit earlier this year when Cal spoke at an, uh, at an event, actually, at New York Roadrunners Run Center, uh, when Cal was quite open about this, that something happened. There was a, a, an inquiry made um, to the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, essentially questioning whether Cal should be and could be allowed to compete using testosterone, which is on the banned substance list for the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency and WADA. And so that became a, that really began a process for Cal um, that really was, I can only imagine how stressful that must have been for Cal as they tried to figure out a way to be allowed to compete in a way that was consistent with this gender transition. And Cal was successful getting the first ever therapeutic use exemption for using testosterone for this purpose of gender transition. So not only did Cal win on Sunday, Cal won arguably a much, much bigger 
win for transgender runners everywhere. And we're so thrilled to have Cal join us here on Set the Pace. Cal, welcome to Set the Pace and congratulations on your win in the non-binary division on Sunday. Thank you so, so much. I'm so excited to be here and chat with y'all. So tell us about the race on Sunday. What was your strategy going in and when did you know you had this division one? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I just raced Chicago a few weeks ago, so I knew all year that with my training and racing plan that it was a little chaotic and it was going to be a little tight with two marathons in the matter of a month. So, um, you know, I had I'd been telling myself leading up to this race, if it's a good day, I'll try to run like I ran Chicago, and if things aren't feeling great, then I'll just listen to my body and, you know, pump the brakes a little bit and enjoy the course and enjoy being here. Um, and I went out and I was feeling super entertained by the course. I didn't really, you know, I don't, I'm not from here, so I have never been on much of this course, never even seen all five boroughs until Sunday. And so, um, I was, I was, I loved the bridges. I actually liked the hills because I kept thinking what goes up must come down. And I live in San Francisco. So fortunately, I was pretty prepared. Um, and it was right around mile 16 after crossing the Queensboro Bridge where I saw a, a really competitive person in, in my field, um, Jacob Caswell, who won Chicago this year and won um, this the New York City Marathon last year. And I kind of thought that this was going to be another win for them. And when I saw them, I thought, whoa, okay, they're right here. You know, maybe I will hang back and make a move closer to the finish. And I, I felt ready, you know, I felt ready to just keep doing what I had been doing. And it led to me, you know, running up next to them. We had a moment where we briefly held hands and I said, you got this. And they said, no, you got this, you go. And it was like a beautiful passing of the torch. Um, but of course, this division is a little bit different and that you can't tell, you know, really who's in front of you, who's behind you, who's even in your division. Um, so it wasn't until the lead cyclist was really hanging around me that I realized that, well, I think I'm, I'm going to win this thing. And that was kind of motivation enough to get me through the last 10 miles and I was hurting a little bit, but it was beautiful and it was the, the crowds were just so incredible that it was what I needed to keep the momentum and carry it all the way to the finish. You know, Cal, New York is known for having the crowd, especially at First Avenue after coming to the uh, Queensboro Bridge and to be in the lead and say, hey, I'm tired. How did the crowd had influence on you going to Central Park and describe that moment for us? Yeah, it was it was just magnificent i mean the whole experience was unlike any marathon experience i've ever had uh the crowd the energy from the crowds was so exciting and for me it was like a mix of family members and friends from college and siblings of friends from college and you know other you know folks from the john g field team that i run with or work with and so it was just like having the energy of people i knew and all the people that i didn't know that didn't know me or that did you know it was just a perfect mix of um, like this positivity that you kind of need at that point, you know, with, with how much, uh, how difficult the course is, you really need that energy to carry you to the finish. Well, it's no small accomplishment to come in and, and win your division in New York 
after running Chicago. That that's not an easy thing to pull <laughs> off. I, I was surprised actually how many people do that double. I mean, I met, I met a lot of folks out there who ran Chicago and New York, but to do it at a time like the time you ran, that's another story. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I mean, I think if I I only ran you know, forty sec forty six seconds slower in New York on Sunday than I did in Chicago. And to me, it was actually a much better effort, um, given the nature of the two courses. Cal, um, obviously a great, great day for you on Sunday. But in a lot of ways, the period leading up to the TCS New York City Marathon was more dramatic for you in a lot of ways. And, you know, arguably even a bigger win in some ways, right, in terms of what you were able to accomplish. Talk a little bit about when this part of your running journey really began, when you first started to hear, and then obviously you heard from uh, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency that you know there was a, a potential issue that needed to be addressed regarding you and your your use of testosterone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's actually kind of wild, and I realized that as I was journaling a few days prior to the race that it was in new york you know i was participating virtually but the new york road runners and the front runners of new york put on this collaborative panel that was all about non-binary inclusion in running and it was following that panel that there was a person who submitted a complaint um to not only the new york road runners but you know the chicago marathon and the boston marathon and also um the u.s anti-doping agency and the complaint was regarding my use of testosterone um and you know i used i used therapeutic level doses of testosterone in order to transition um because i'm transgender so it's a very normal part of a um medical regimen for those of us that are trans and I had never considered this to be at odds with my running career in any way. Um, and it came as a total shock. And also, it was a really devastating period of time to have these sort of, you know, three months that I didn't know what I'd be able to compete. I went through the therapeutic exemption, use exemption process. And um, going through that process was also, you know, pretty invasive. And challenging in its own right because of the quantity of medical and psychological information that was being requested from from USADA and it was just a struggle you know it was a struggle to make decisions that would protect my own right to run but would also lay the groundwork for other trans and non-binary athletes to have access to running and it was a lot of work and it was a really sad time where I sort of felt like being a runner and being trans, which are two, maybe the two most important pieces of my identity were at odds with each other and having the Chicago marathon and the New York city marathon sort of looming as potentially things that I wouldn't be able to do definitely colored my entire training cycle, um, and my life for those three months. So I got the exemption, um, even though I withheld some materials from the application, which was a really, really big deal. And that came just two days before the Chicago marathon. So I ran Chicago um, feeling really free, but you know, now I've had an additional month for that exemption and, you know, the sort of the closure of that process to have set in that running in New York city, I wasn't even thinking about it, you know? Um, 
back. And so it feels like in some way, this is like closing this off full circle, right? Like it started here in New York City. Um, I was maybe put a little bit on trial in front of everyone. And, you know, this was sort of the final, the final dance, right? It was like, to me, it's a really, really impactful because it's just proves that despite the adversity and despite the obstacles, um, you know, trans people can do anything and we can even win the New York City Marathon. Uh, Cal, I mean, how were you mentally to put it to put it together for you? Because, you know, the non-binary and now the drug testing and all that, what was, I know you said, especially with deadlines getting to the starting line of the Chicago or New York, I know New York, you had a little bit of time, but tell us the mental status that you were, you know, what was your mind thinking? And am I going to race? I'm not going to race. And but also physically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely there is, it was this push and pull between feeling like I need to prepare fully mentally for this, but also, you know, if I do that, I still risk, you know, not being able to run and the devastation that would come from that with the mindset that I was going to run would be even worse. So I was, I was sort of teetering between those two. And my coach said to me, look, you need to imagine you are running. You need to prepare as if you are running, because if you don't do that, you're not going to be ready. So you just need to move forward as if you are running. Um, and luckily that was the right strategy. And physically, I think this is, I'm so glad you asked this question because there was so much stress in my body. Um, and I was thinking how ironic that I'm kind of being accused of having this unfair advantage when I actually feel like I have a pretty big disadvantage dealing with all of this stress leading up to the race. And, you know, just to be clear, it's like, this is just to show up and, and tow the start line. Right. So, um, yeah, it was a really stressful time. I'm very happy to have it behind me. And I just want to, Cal, give a, a, a little bit of a shout out to David Fair, um, a, a friend of mine who I know uh, worked with you, a great lawyer who's done a lot of great work in this area. And I uh, was happy to be able to connect you with David and help you get this uh, TUE. So a little shout out to David, because I know he was uh, instrumental in this whole process. Cal, can you explain why this matters? I mean, you, you got the TUE without having to submit all the, what you felt was very invasive information about your transition. What does this mean for other trans athletes out there who want to compete using the, the medications that they feel are necessary for their, their gender transition? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is exactly who I had in mind as I was moving through this process. And, you know, this exemption means that we've now laid the groundwork for USADA to make policy change that says, all right, maybe we can pump the brakes a little bit and step back on some of these requirements. We don't need XYZ documentation that is almost extraneous to determining a person's testosterone levels and whether or not they should be eligible to compete. And, you know, I think it's also important to mention that, you know, it, it, it's not fair to have an entire demographic of people proving that they're not cheating before they even show up, right? So um, we're not monitoring the testosterone levels of every single athlete that shows up to the New York City Marathon. And this is typically the way that um, that trans people are kept out of sports, right, with this this particular argument. So I think it's just worth looking at not just the, um, you know, 
the super sterile medical angle of this, but also the human rights angle of this, right? And, you know, where where is the burden of proof lie and how do we make sure that other trans athletes can show up um, without having to go through this three month long process um, that to be frank was just really, really distressing. Well, how do you, you know, inclusiveness and also self-expression is what the running is all about. How do you feel that running community has embraced you or tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for the most part, the support has actually been really overwhelming. Um, you know, especially when you're looking at non-binary divisions in holding those divisions up to the same standards as the elite divisions in as they relate to anti-doping policy and TUEs and things like that, but not necessarily reaping the same benefits or, award, uh, or rewards as the other divisions do. It's sort of this double standard. Um, and I think that the running community as a whole has been overwhelmingly supportive and um, you know, the LGBTQ plus community has also been incredibly supportive. I think there are some things we still don't understand about trans athletes and that's okay. But instead of just closing the door on all trans athletes, let's do some research that we need to do and let's find spaces um, for us to show up to and ways for us to still participate because we all know as runners, the power and the beauty of running and movement and how empowering that feels and how necessary it is, right, for our own mental health. And if we have entire demographics of people that are excluded from accessing those benefits, that's kind of, to me, a public health crisis. Cal, what does it mean to you to have the non-binary category? Your your TUE actually gave you the right to run either in non-binary or in the male category. Um, mm -hmm. What does it mean to you to have this category? What do you think it means to the sport of running for this to exist? It's still a fairly new thing. This was the third year we had it here at the TCS New York City Marathon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this non-binary division is so important to me personally because, you know, I'm trans. I I grew up running on the girls' team, on the women's team, and then um, about five years ago, I started transitioning, and I just have such a vast experience in multiple different genders, and being in a non-binary division acknowledges that for me, um, that I'm not the same as you, Meb, and Rob y'all are great, but we have such different experiences, right? So I like, personally, I like to have my space where it's people that, you know, occupy a liminal space between man and woman or beyond man and woman in some way. Um, and I think that that has been really special to be able to just show up and be there. Um, and I think for other people, it, it's different, right? Gender is a spectrum, it's bigger than just two things and non-binary means something different to a lot of different people. Um, but what it does, just the New York Roadrunners and other races that have sort of followed suit with acknowledging and holding space for a non-binary division it is essential because it opens up a bigger conversation, even outside of running, about the fact that gender is more expensive than we might recognize and that all people, regardless of gender identity, should be celebrated and have access to the same opportunities as each other. You know, to have a platform at the World Major Marathon is a huge step. How would you have done something earlier that you could said, hey, I'm happy where I am, but is there something else that you could say, maybe I could have done this a lesson to improve it? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, earlier is always better. Um, I, I always say, like, if you make this space, then people will show up to the space. And 
um, when people have these sort of arguments against having this division, maybe it's less competitive or it's smaller. Why are we doing all this? I just think, yeah, because look at for how long it hasn't existed, right? And now that the door is open for us to show up, it takes some time to get people to come out and occupy the space. So I, I you know, I'm I'm just grateful. I am grateful that the opportunity exists now. And um, I just, I feel like it's only going to continue to grow. And it might not seem like that big of a deal for some people, but for those of us that have been searching and searching for a space to show up um, and we now have it, it's actually life-changing. You know, the end of one race is the beginning of another. So we're just delighted that you are here to be able to share your experiences in this platform. Thank you. Cal, what do you think going forward are the things you'd like to see change even more? And we've got this division. That's great. Um, I know you're you're an advocate on this issue, and I'm sure there are other things you'd like to see happen in the sport to make it even more inclusive and welcoming to people who don't fit into the the binary, if you will, gender categories. What are your thoughts about where you'd like to see things go from here? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, things have come a really long way, even in a couple of years, and it's definitely something to celebrate. And you know, this applies to many other identities and many other groups of people as well. Like, I think the what really needs to shift that we're on the precipice of is people understanding that the non-binary division is as valuable as other divisions in many ways. Um, the only, you know, your the time when you cross the finish line isn't the only thing that matters. It's it's really important to have people showing up from different identities and different groups and different experiences and to celebrate all of those people in ways that are, are fair and are equitable. I think right now the non-binary division, um, it, isn't, it isn't viewed or treated quite the same as other divisions. And that's understandably so given, given its newness. Um, but I hope that we move toward having it be treated more more equitably you know right now it's like um we are creating a lot of our own community a lot of our own hype a lot of our own joy and a lot of our own courage in this division because down to you know there's not really we don't really know who's running in the race before we get there right um and we you know i went across the finish line you know i didn't like i didn't hear anything um even though i had the cyclist with me right so I think it'd be cool to elevate this win in some of the same ways as as is done for the men's and women's divisions. Um, that's that's my hope is that we move in that direction. I know these things do take time, um, but that's that's what I kind of hope to see. And I think what needs to shift in that sense is that people that are behind the scenes are able to truly believe, truly, truly believe in um, in the value of the division as they do in other divisions. And I think that's a, that's a slow process. Um, but you know, right now I'm still, I'm grateful for all these opportunities. I'm grateful to everyone who is in any way on the right side of history and supporting trans and non-binary athletes now. And, um, that's where I get my energy and that's what propels me and that's what moves me. And, um, I'm, I'm, all of this is a very big community effort. One question for you, Cal, if you don't mind asking, you know, the beauty of the United States is expression, land of opportunity. And how did it for you, you know, we know where you are now, but when did it start running for you? How did you get into it? 
Yeah, yeah. I started running when I was in middle school. I actually was a, at first a soccer player and I was running so much in my games and I was never getting tired according to, you know, my coaches and my teammates, so they never pulled me out of the game. And then I realized that I didn't need to chase a ball. I could just run around and enjoy the run and I that's when I started and yeah, it was just this 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 freedom and this autonomy and this exploration in my spirit that I love so much about running and um, I still maintain that and it's cool to have gone through you know the struggle with USADA and in my own gender transition and to find my way back to running and and the reasons why I love running right that freedom that autonomy that exploration and to just move back to that that piece that's been really really impactful for me. Great. Well, we have some similarities. I started with the soccer ball and chasing that ball. And then when I first came here, I said, what, what are they running for? These people are crazy, but we are crazy <laughs> enough to run a full marathon. And uh, great to see you. And then see you do some great thing after line on the course and also after course. Congratulations and well done and winning the TCS New York City Marathon for Binary Group. Thank you so much, Meb. Well, Cal, I want to congratulate you on a tremendous race here in New York. Uh, congratulations on the win. But I think it's fair to say, even more importantly, congratulations on the win that you scored um, for, for trans athletes everywhere with what you were able to accomplish um, with USADA. And, you know, it is clearly a space where it is growing, it is changing. Um, there's certainly more to come and appreciate very much your feedback, actually, just now on the podcast about how, you know, we can make it better here in New York. I think we've got We've done tremendous things, but I know we can continue to do better. And so appreciate hearing that from you. But we're just thrilled to have you uh, as part of our community, thrilled to have you as our 2023 TCS New York City Marathon non-binary champion. So congrats and thank you. Thank you so much. And now it's time for today's Meb Minute. And Meb, the word today is recovery. We got 51,000 plus runners who all made their way through the five boroughs of New York, up and down those bridges. And now they're all trying to figure out how to recover their bodies so that they can start running again. What was your method for that post-race recovery? Well, Rob, we love to run, as you know, and to be at the TCS New York City Marathon and hilly course recovery is essential. And those wa funny walks that is happening this morning, you know, you're going to go to the airport or walking around, those are uh, incredible. So, but recovery is important. It's time to nutrition. They don't have to run anymore. You can just walk and go get some fresh air and then able to get maybe a little bit of soft tissue massage. Um, you know, Epsom salt is another great one, warm water with Epsom salt, but don't be rushing it. This is the key. You know, you, whether you want to do a marathon, a marathon in two months, one month or five months, the first two weeks or so, two weeks is very important for me. I can't even imagine running or walk, uh, to exercise into like Sunday race, like the TCS until Thursday, getting out of the chair after uh, sitting down or getting up is such a labor that you want to let the muscles recover the tendons. So I hope people can take those advice and use them. You know, don't, they don't have to be a streak and go out and run. I don't care if it's one mile or 5K. Give it time. Enjoy the recovery like protein and your favorite desserts that you've been missing out. And by the time we drop this podcast, it'll be Thursday. 
a week later, two weeks later, I know everybody's different. We just heard Cal Calamia talking about running Chicago and then New York. But for most people, what do you think is a way to think about mileage a week later after running a marathon? Mileage wise, a week later is probably like 10, maybe even seven, just because I like to give it a, a time out and maybe run like two miles. You know, you do that three times, spread it out. You don't have to do it back to back. Just go out there, go to a coffee shop and enjoy some hot chocolate or something. You don't have to be, there's no race com- coming for you now. Just mentally and physically, you need to be able to crave that run and, and don't do anything strenuous to be able to just say, I'm going to go for a seven mile run or eight mile run, even if you feel great. Hold it back, you know, maybe spinning or, uh, uh, doing some uh, swimming is a great way to let the body recover. So don't rush into running. Low impact. That sounds lovely for those who just completed the 26.2 mile course here in New York. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of Set the Pace. Most of all, we just want to say congratulations to everybody out there who completed the 2023 TCS New York City Marathon. And by the way, thank you so much to so many of you who came up to me and Meb, whether it was at the expo or at various events, or for me right at the finish line to say how much you're enjoying the podcast. That really means a lot to us. We really appreciate it. And by the way, if you haven't done that, make sure you go on and rate it and review it five stars if you like it so much. We love those reviews as well. But thank you all so much. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time.